You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshi on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Take 
Listening to African Perspectives, where we view the issues of our day from an African worldview and African centered perspective. This program is unapologetically African. It is a custom in the African tradition to ask elders for permission to speak, having been granted permission to our ancestors whose shoulders we stand on, to our elders whose shadows we walk in. I greet you, my dear brothers and sisters. In the language of one of the greatest civilizations on this planet, it gave the world the basic disciplines of knowledge of science, math, architecture, music, writing, law, religion, you name it, we did it. The Greeks called it Egypt, but they called themselves Kemet, and Kemet means land of the blacks. I greet you all in the Kemetic language, the word of peace, Hotep. It is truly an honor and a privilege to pour libation because we truly do stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. We're going to use water because water has no enemies. Water is the great cleanser, the great purifier. Everything on the planet that lives, it needs water from a tiny microscopic organism to a tall redwood tree. We pour water into the earth to invoke the spirits of our ancestors and we say the word ashe. It simply means so be it. So we pour this libation to God for all that God has done and for all that God will do. We sashay. We pour this libation to Mother Africa, birthplace of all humanity, everyone who has lived, everyone who will live in the future. We all have a common ancestral root in Africa. We pour this libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. I mentioned Kemet in the opening. Kemet was the height, the apex, the zenith of African high culture. But there were others as well, as Tymeri, Punt, and Nubia. So we poured this libation to the classical civilizations of Africa. We say, Ashe. 
We poured us libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa, of Ghana, Mali, Zangai, Benin, Great Zimbabwe. Civilizations that were flourishing and growing while Europe was in a medieval or dark age. The University of Sankare at Timbuktu, an outstanding educational institution. So we poured us libation to the contemporary civilizations of Africa. We say, Ashe? We poured us libation to the Ma'afa, the holocaust of our enslavement, the Infakani, the great tragedy, uprooted out of Africa. Our brothers and sisters lay a carpet along the Atlantic Ocean. We're in North America, South America, Central America, and throughout the diaspora. So we poured us libation to our brothers and sisters who suffered the Ma'afa, the Infakani, the holocaust of our enslavement, the great tragedy. We poured us libation in their honor and in their memory. We do not know their names, but because of them and their sacrifice, we are here. So we sashay. We poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. If you ever heard me do a libation, you will know that we were not slaves. I repeat, we were not slaves. We were captives. What does a captive want to do? Get free. So we poured us libation to all those men and women who fought against enslavement. In fact, I maintain that some of us are more of a slave today than we were in our initial captivity because some of us are a slave to vice, to corruption, to drugs, sex, and violence. So we poured us libation to those who fought against enslavement. Gabriel Prosser, Nat Turner, Denmark Vesey, Harriet Tutman. We always resisted. And we will always resist. So we poured us libation in the name and the honor of those men and women who fought against our captivity. We poured us libation to those unborn, those young men and women who will once again lead us back on the stage of human history as a free and proud and productive people. We sashay. We poured us libation to brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of of family. We need each other. We don't have good family life. There's a saying, conditions shape conduct and consciousness. The conditions in our community are bad. The conduct towards each other is not good. Because why? We lack consciousness. And consciousness is more than just awareness. Consciousness is a deeper understanding of who you are historically, who you are culturally. So once we begin to understand the importance of brotherhood and sisterhood together for the union of family. Brothers and sisters, let us all say, Ashe, Ashe. You are listening ashe. to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Good morning, African world. Yeah. Okay. I, I've been doing this like this for what, seven years now. And uh <laughs> and and obviously some of you might say, Well, you know, I remember hearing something like that on um Good Morning Vietnam, you know. Yeah. What was that uh Robin Williams? Yeah, well, that ain't about that. It's good morning, African world. I'm trying to wake us up. 
That's why I have that signal called Good Morning, African World. We need to be woke up. That's right. And each day is the opportunity for that awakening, for coming into the right mind, for doing all the things we need to do to prepare ourselves. So, good morning, African world. Let's come together. You're listening to African Perspectives. We're here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. From 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., 10 to 12 Central, 9 to 11 Mountain, or 8 to 10 Pacific, any other time around the world. But if you cannot listen to this program live, of course, you can always go to our archives at timeforanawakening.com. At the top of the page, you'll see African Perspectives. Click on that. The drop-down, you'll see Oh, at the top of the page, you'll see podcast. Click on that. The drop down, you'll see African Perspectives. Then you click on that, and then there will be programs that are dated and titled. But, of course, you can go to the shortcut, whatever search engine you use, you know, Google, Firefox, whatever, and you put in babaoshi.net, B-A-B-A-O-S-H-I.net, babaoshi.net. Click on that, and once again, there will be those programs that are dated and titled. Thanks to my brother Kwaku. Much love and respect. This is African Perspectives and other programming we have here on Time for an Awakening. And I need to go to my phone. That's right. Because Brother Elliot. Well, actually, you know, Brother Elliot didn't really send me anything different. You know, when I looked at it, I was like, well, some of this is still the the same stuff. You know? I was thinking it was going to be something different because it's got my program on Mondays, Dr. Rogers on Tuesdays from 8 to 10. On Wednesdays, don't give me anything on Wednesdays. And then tomorrow, though, from 7 to 8, 7 to 8, Black Liberation Movement, Mississippi on the move. The Black Liberation Movement, Mississippi on the move with host Patrick Lumumba. So that's uh, that's, uh, tomorrow from 7 to 8. And then on Friday at 8 p.m., time for an awakening. And on Saturdays at 7, from 7 to 9 on Saturdays, um, Sankofa Elders Council. Sankofa Elders Council. And then on Sunday, of course, um, once again, time for an awakening. With Brother Elliot and Brother Richard at 7. So, oh, yeah. So I thought it was, well, hopefully all those programs that are on hiatus will come back. Yeah, you know. Let's say we should have a nice lineup. Oh, especially when I first started. Man, it's that real nice lineup. It was kind of tight. <laughs> yeah. All right. We Buy Black. We Buy Black the largest online marketplace for American African-owned businesses. It's webuyblack.com. Get everything you need from American African-owned businesses from webuyblack.com. That's right, webuyblack. Webuyblack.com. Africa for the Africans. Africa for the Africans, Brother Bomani Tayemba. He is ready to take our people once again to a trip of a lifetime. He has many tours scheduled. Let's just go through those tours. November 17th, 
to November 28th, 2022, $4,000, Tanzania. December 24th to January 5th, 2023, $4,000, Ghana. March 30th to April 10th, 2023, $3,800, Senegal and Gambia. May 24th to June 5th, 2023, $4,000, Ghana. July 20th to July 29th, 2023, $3,800, Liberia. November 16th to November 27th, 2023, $4,000, once again, Tanzania. December 24th to January 4th, $4,200, South Africa. March 29th to April 9th, 2024, $4,000, Rwanda. Rwanda's that in a couple of years, that's going to be an interesting trip. March 29th to April 9th, 2024. I don't know if you've seen pictures of, you know, Go 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 online, brothers and sisters, and you know, obviously go online to AfricaForTheAfricans.org, you know, but go online and just look at some of these places, some of these countries. Beautiful. And everything you need is right here on the website of Africa for the Africans. If you want to see pictures, brothers and sisters, go to YouTube, excuse me, go to Facebook.com, Facebook.com forward slash Bomani. If you want to see videos, then go to youtube.com forward slash Bomani 2007. Give Brother Bomani a call at 404-931-9429. That's 404-931-9429. Africa for the Africans.org. Habasha. Habasha Incorporated.org. Habasha stands for helping Africa by establishing schools at home and abroad. They are doing the work. They have done a great work in Africa. And doing great work here at home with the Kash, with the uh, programs they have here. Habasha Works Program. These are like sustainable agricultural programs. Black to our roots, sustainable seeds, golden growers, urban green jobs. And of course, in the on the continent, they have the Kashi Project. I've been making mention of that. And brothers and sisters, you need to go online and check it out. It is beautiful. It's beautiful. The LEDGE program, LEDGE stands for Land for the Environmental Development for Group Economics. LEDGE, brothers and sisters, the LEDGE program. And of course, they deal with the four main things that we as human beings need, and that is food, water, clothing, and shelter. And, and Brother Peter uh, needs to be talking with, of course, uh, Brother Moses West, especially as it relates to water. They have 12 projects in six different countries and over 170 employed with over 260 members. Become a member of the LEDGE program, Land for the Environmental Development for Group Economics. Abibia Tumi, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, abibiatumi.com. I don't even have a page today. Well, there you are. Okay. 
prepared you. Abibiatumi.com. Understand some Abibiatumi comes out of Ghana, West Africa. Abibiatumi.com. A B I B I T U M I.com. Smile Pharmacy. Smile Pharmacy. Brothers and sisters, give Brother Jabril a call at 731-327-6229. That's 731-327-6229. And talk with Brother Jabril about, you know, what's happening with you. He will come up with something that will be very beneficial and will help you holistically. If you want to contact him by email, contact him by smyfarmacy at gmail. Smy, S. M-A-I-F-A-R-M-A-C-Y at gmail.com Brothers and sisters I was uh, listening to um, the radio station this morning 1380 AM here and probably some of you now know the the brother whose program Rashad Ritchie he is on the internet as well, so he's definitely all the way out there. But he has his morning show. He started here in Atlanta. He's here in Atlanta, and he's now on um, what is it, six to ten, seven to ten, I believe, something to that effect. And so this morning he was talking about uh, they're collecting water for Jackson, Mississippi, uh, at the west at a church in the West End, Hunter Street, I believe that Hunter Street used to that was the name of the street before they renamed it. Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard uh, in honor of one of Dr. King's men that uh, was uh, chairman of the SELC Southern Christian Leadership Conference and so I was talking to him on air about and he acknowledged that he knew about Brother Moses West he knew about atmospheric water generator the atmospheric water generator and uh, and so we talked and it was cool and I hope that he'll continue to push that and I and I'll go to the collecting water today just bringing cases of water whatever I'm out of you can and um, hopefully I get a chance to see him or even Derek Bozeman who's also on the station 1380 and WOL here in WAOK here in Atlanta because Brother Moses West and what he is doing, what he has done, needs that information needs to be out there, you know, because he's been doing this for quite a few years. And like I said, Brother <clears throat> Richard Richie was familiar, which is cool, and hopefully they can, uh, you know, and hopefully what Brother Kwaku did by informing uh, Chukwe Lumumba, the mayor of Jackson, Mississippi, as well as Deion Sanders of Jackson State, you know. But uh, I'll tell you, it is deep how messed up it is in Jackson is in terms of the lack of working together. The governor, and I believe probably the governor of Mississippi did the same thing to his father when his father, Chukwe Lumumba, was mayor before his, his passing, you know, just ostracized him, just refused to communicate, just don't. And here and not in a deep crisis like this, and still that behavior is ongoing. It's a damn shame. It makes you very angry about these Caucasians. It really does. It makes you want to holler. 
Throw up both your hands. <laughs> yeah. So, brothers and sisters, go to MosesWestFoundation.org. That's MosesWestFoundation.org. There is a link uh, on the page now for Jackson Water Rescue. Jackson Water Rescue. When you hit that, give you some detailed stuff about, you know. But just go over the, the, the uh, website. And so, you know, because water's in the air. There is no shortage of water. It's just there's no access. The problem is access. Water's all around us. There is no shortage. And when you have a machine that can take the water that's all around us, all the molecules, all the stuff that's in the air, that's in around us, and, and suck that into that machine, and that machine can go through whatever purification processes that goes through, and then you can turn a tap on, and out comes drinking water. You got to check out the video to show you the volumes of it. And while you need to tap something and get some uh, uh, jugs and whatever, <laughs> water. And these evil ass people want to, you know, <laughs> commodify water. It's a commodity. No, it's not a damn commodity, it's a necessity. It's vital to human existence. It's vital to this planet's existence. Water. Ah, don't get me started. So yeah, go go do go to um, Moses, and then of course Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, wow, just a few days ago, outstanding family, just a few days ago. It's now $16,000 raised. Donations from the 30th of last month. From the 30th of last month. This is great. This is just great news, family. Continue to support. Continue to donate. There will be, I was assured on the website also, a link to donate to Africa. That's what me and Mama Nabantu we're talking about uh, with Brother Moses West. So, the Moses West Foundation. All right. Well, Dada's Healthy Market and Juice Bar located in the West End here. And uh, this is um, after the church, you know, where the church is in collecting the water for Jackson, Mississippi. It's further further east than that so more closer to the western mall in fact well dot is right across the street from soul vegetarian up the street from the shrine of the black madonna yeah well dot is healthy market and juice bar brothers and sisters give them a call at 404-444-1635 no 404-404-444-1635 with dot is healthy market and juice bar the Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. Brothers and sisters, Mama Nia, she has a fine selection of books and postcards, green cards. You know, she has gift certificates, T-shirts, figurines, and so much more. She's open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 9 and Sunday from 12 to 6. 
in the Greenbrier Mall. Give her a call at 404-346-3263. That's 404-346-3263. The Medu Bookstore in the Greenbrier Mall. My brother Gazimde Jamu, the Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore in Lithonia. His number is 770-305-6373. That's 770-305-6373. Brothers and sisters, there is light in the Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore and Coffee Bar. The new Black Wall Street Market is up the street from the uh, Black Dot just off of I-20 going east from Atlanta. You exit number 75, which is Turner Hill Road. You make a right. Three lights, you make another right, and on the left will be the new Black Wall Street Market. Check it out, especially on weekends. I don't think they even, I think I think they're open today, but I know they're open on weekends, Monday and Tuesday. I believe they're not open. Us lifting us to economic development cooperative for our people in the spirit of Ujamaa. Cooperative economics, or he's like to say, family-centered economics is open. Excuse me. Their broadcast is <laughs> tomorrow, the Thursday night broadcast on Blog Talk Radio from 9 to 10. Blogtalkradio.com. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash ULU. And you can get the broadcast. But if you want to use, but if you want to call, to listen or call in to give you a question, comment, or concern, dial 929-477-2789. That's 929-477-2789. Us lifting us to economic development cooperative for our people. Homeland Village Cultural Gift Shop located in Macon, Georgia. Homeland Village Cultural Gift Shop. They have all kinds of stuff, holistic stuff, black soap, beauty products, oils, incense, CDs, DVD, lectures, uh, man, literature, books, jewelry, Pan-African fashions, furniture. (laughs) They even have a vegan store. Brother Brother Abija's got it going on. He's open Tuesday through Sunday, 11 a.m. to 8 p.m., Tuesday through Sunday, located 2910 Napier Avenue in Macon, Georgia. Give Brother Abija a call at 478-256-1166. That's 478-256-1166. Homeland Village and Cultural Gift Shop. Right on. Sun Goddess Sense, your one-stop natural shop, located Sun Goddess Sense. In Forest Park, Georgia, booth 225. Sun got a sense. 4140 Jonesboro Road, Forest Park, Georgia. International Discount Mall, booth 225. And of course, give our sister Shelly Amonset a call at 404 434 7963. That's 404 434 7963. Sun got a sense. Your one-stop natural shop. Sanjay Dash, Aidi, Sister Gabby has been doing an outstanding job with our young people, our children in the island of Haiti, in the northeastern portion of the island in Haiti. And of course, you, you got to support it because they ain't going to get nothing. They're relying on what I'm asking you to do. 
is go to the website, Sanjay, S-O-N-J-E dash Haiti, A-Y-I-T-I dot org. Sanjay dash Haiti dot org. Akaban Institute. Akaban Institute. Uh, they have a men's warrior piece coming up. You know. The warrior piece. Let me see where that at. Where that at? Here it is right here. This um, Saturday, in honor of the warriors, in honor of the warriors, Papa Broody will be doing a presentation. And that is this Saturday from 4 to 7. From 4 to 7. And the donation is $10 for the men, $5 for the boys. And it's going to be and it's live. It's going to be at the Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore in Lithonia this Saturday from that time from 4 to 7. So if you want to go to the Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore in Lithonia, please do. Or you can just get the link. And you can do that by going to the Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore. Well, excuse me. You do that by going to blackdot.com events forward slash events forward slash African dash warriors dash men's day and you can pick it up that way or you can just come through drop some bread in honor of the warrior in honor of the warrior and of course if you know Baba Baruti he knows brothers and sisters we need warriors we need warriors that's why he's been doing what he's been doing that's why he's dedicated to that. And I respect him and love him for it and support him. Occupant Institute. Brothers and sisters, you can make payments through PayPal or Cash App if it's Cash App, dollar sign. Yah, Y-A-A, the letter M, and then the Baruti, B-A-R-U-T-I. And make your donations ongoing if you, if you, if you can. Once a month if you can. One time if you can. Whatever you can do. Also to AkabenHouse.com for books. You know, Baba Rudy's a prolific writer, so he has all those books. <laughs> Believe me, all those books. So, speaking of all those books, the Enya Saysim of Daily Revolutionary Thought. The Enya Saysim. September 6th. There is a debt to the African people which America can never repay. Sojourner Truth. But of course, you know Sojourner Truth said Negro. But you know me. In my reading of, and in my interpretation, I always have been able to substitute those African-centered words that need to be substituted. So... All right. Given their inevitable fall, Europeans' greatest hope is that they can keep us mesmerized by the imagination of their fairy tale future. It is a it is a friction. (laughs) It is a fiction where we believe they will last forever as scientific gods and goddesses, as unrivaled masters of the universe. If we slip and fall completely asleep. In this nightmare, 
then they can continue to enjoy it, toying with us as their infantile prey as they fall. They do not want to be singled out before humanity for what they are. They fear the consequences of justice more than anything else. Regardless, subconsciously, they recognize that they cannot bring correction to what they have done. They cannot make amends for what they have done and continue to do without removing themselves from existence. Their ongoing crimes against the universe are beyond apology or any reparations that they have power to grant. Sadly, most of the non-European world has been effectively convinced that what Europeans have done and are doing to them was and is necessary for the introduction of a greater, more liberated sense of humanity to this planet. <laughs> How naive. Therefore, they they convinced and conceived of their destruction as justifiable and forgivable. Therefore, they conceive of their destruction as, un as unjustifiable and as justifiable and conceivable and unforgivable. For centuries, Europeans have been about the business of making themselves into the image of whatever should be oh, into the images of everybody should want to be. <laughs> Come on, Oshi. For centuries, Europeans have been about the business of making themselves into the image of what everybody should want to be. They have accomplished this feat with a remarkable degree of success. Of course, if they were actually how they portrayed themselves, they would indeed be gods. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, these crackers. Cracker ass cracker. With the old cracker ass. Oh, affirm. I do not conceive of our destruction as justifiable or unforgivable. Affirm. I do not conceive of our destruction as justifiable or forgivable. No. Never forget. September 7th. Education for struggle has a consciousness raising function for African people. This facet of education tells us who we are, who the enemy is, what he is doing to us, when to fight, when to stop fighting, what to struggle for, and what from the struggle we must take. Janice Hale. We have been instructed to create priesthoods formed from the collections of our children who have been placed under our knowledgeable direct tutelage so they can be best trained to do what African people need to do to return to power. We have been told to watch our children and see which characteristics and talent they naturally have so we will know what to do with each of them individually trained. We especially need warriors. I repeat, we especially need warriors. So first we have to identify those personality traits which have a high tendency to produce the righteous warrior spirit in adulthood. There are several we must consider in this search. We must look at those children who will fight regardless of opponent, who correct wrong or stop abuse and not just for self or, or things. We must also look for those who can work alone without being lonely or antisocial. These children must also be accepting of and the ability to handle the kind of struggle that strains the mind and emotions. And, and equally important, we must examine what we know 
of our youth to find those who are able to keep what should not be told a secret. This is the start of our return to power. Affirm, I am building a priesthood of warriors. Affirm, I am building a priesthood of warriors. And that's the discussion on Saturday. The Inye Say So, a daily revolutionary thought. Today we're going to, well, let me finish, because I didn't get a chance to do this yesterday. This is, I haven't done this in quite a while. Uh, and then we're going to get off into, at least to start off, before we go to a break, the start of uh, I haven't read this in quite a while, family. Yeah. I always like to read this by Brother Erohone of the the um, psyche. The sovereignty psyche. The sovereignty psyche. Basically what he's saying in that book is that even though we're here in our mind we develop sovereignty <laughs> yeah but the physical reality does something else but I hear you because in my mind we're liberated he says here which is very deep family it says there there is no historical instance of a formerly enslaved people who valued integration with their former captors to the point that they were completely abandoned, that they would completely abandon their superior wealth of their own homeland. There is no other historical record, nothing in the history of humanity that the formerly enslaved people who would value integration with their captors to the point where they completely abandoned the superior wealth of their own homeland. That's how deep the psyche is. That's how deep this is. Man. Yeah. It's a shame, I know. But it's even deeper. It's even deeper, doesn't it? Yes, it does, family. It gets even deeper. This was said by Lord Macaulay his address to the British Parliament, 2nd of February, 1835. I have traveled across the length and breadth of Africa, and I have not seen one person who is a beggar, who is a thief. Such wealth I have seen in this country, such high moral values, people of such caliber, that I did not think we would ever conquer this land. Unless... We break the very backbone of this nation, which is our spiritual and cultural heritage. Therefore, I propose that we replace her old and ancient education system, her culture, her culture. For if the Africans think that all that is foreign and English and British is good and greater than their own, they will lose their self-esteem their native culture and they will become what we want them a truly dominated nation man I tell you man you just want to jump down a 
somebody saw and just beat their ass. Just beat their ass. <laughs> Kwame Nkrumah said this at the time of independence. 1957, one of the first countries to gain supposedly <laughs> independence from the former British colonizers. The colonizers had all of Africa from north, south, east, to west. Europe became rich because of the colonization of Africa. To this day, and they still are. Many countries, particularly France, is still in Africa big time. The Europeans, the Caucasians are still in South Africa. Namibians, the Germans are still in Namibia. The Indians, the Chinese, the Chinese want to put 300 million people in Africa. Kwame Nkrumah said, if we do not approach the problems in Africa with a common with a common, wait a minute, let's, let us read this first. See, this is, the, this is the order of reading. He said this in the speech of freedom in 1961. He said, okay, there you go. Come on, y'all. Don't, don't act like this. He said, I believe strongly and sincerely that with the deep-rooted wisdom and dignity the innate respect for human lives, the intense humanity that is our heritage, the African culture united under one federal government will emerge, not just as another world block to flaunt its wealth and strength, but has a great power whose greatness is indestructible because it is built not on fear, envy, and suspicion, nor won at the expense of others, but founded on hope, trust, friendship, and directed to the good of all mankind. The speech of freedom in 1961. Some years later, Kwame Nkrumah said, if we do not approach the problems in Africa with a common front and a common purpose, we shall be haggling and wrangling among ourselves until we are colonized again and become the trolls of a far greater colonialism than we had suffered heretofore. Damn, he's... You know, sometimes when you read those kind of words, dear family, you realize how hurtful they are because they're so true. Because that's what happened. Because that is what happened. To be truly liberated, African people must come to know the nature of European thought and behavior in order to understand the effect that the European has had on our ability to think victoriously. We must be able to separate our thoughts from the Europeans' thought so that we can visualize a future that is not dominated by Europe. This is demanded by an African-centered view because, because what? We are Africans. And because the future towards which Europe leads us is genocide. I'm on Marimba Ani. Marimba Ani. It's genocide. Yeah, family. So we're going to talk about some of that 
problem of genocide. And, uh, and that is the, ins- the captivity of our people. You know, I'm going to talk about that, the captivity of our people today. Our involvement. Um, with the new movie coming out, with um, Sister Davis says the with the new movie that's coming out uh, is that the Warrior Queen I'm not sure the title of it I was hoping I'd get a um, a piece for an advertisement for it but I didn't but it doesn't make any difference because the brother who who has these radio programs on Black Talk Radio Network is Brother Scotty Reed out of North Carolina. And when the movie was first advertised, the Dahomey is the warrior women. There's a picture of them taken in the 1800s, you know. And of course, uh, when you looked at um, Wakanda, (laughs) you know, the Black Panther, he had his sisters that uh, who were warriors, were well trained in weaponry and hand-to-hand combat. You know, and I'm quite sure those sisters were well trained. One sister took offense, uh, sister Sex the Goddess, not Sex Six the Goddess, not Sex, although she is. Very feminine, very sensual, very sensual, very sexy. I don't know if you follow her on Facebook or any other thing, but she's a beautiful sister. She's out of here, out of Atlanta. And she took offense to the sisters looking all manly, you know. Well, to sometimes to be warriors, you know, you kind of lose a little bit of the femininity because you're a fighter. You're a fighter. You're not a lover. You want to kick some ass. You want to be, be in defense of your community, in defense of your people, in defense of your culture. So you want to fight. And so, researching myself, the Dahomey did sell, because the Dahomey is in West Africa, did assist, particularly the Portuguese, and the homie wouldn't capture some of our people and sold them into captivity. They didn't sell the, the homie people into captivity. That's one of the things that, you know, it's, it's interesting because they say, well, you know, we didn't sell our people because they weren't the homie. We sold Europe, but we sold some others. One could argue of semantics, and I'm going to read a good piece from um, um, my good brother and ancestor, Brother Renoka Rashidi, from the Atlanta Black Star, African involvement in our captivity. But also, too, I want to play a piece. And and, um, this comes from, uh, this will take us past the um, the break time, but I'm gonna play this because uh, I think that um, 
it'll help us understand what we're basically talking about today, you know? And uh, this is uh, that young man. I really like this young man. He's a good brother, you know. And this is a deep, deep subject for us, you know, of selling our, our people into captivity. So we're going to talk about that today. And, and, and because of that problem, this is a serious problem with us globally. But he breaks it down as well. And in fact, he says, the fallacy of us selling us into captivity, as well as Renoco and many others. But there are some of us who look at it and say, this is semantics. No, we so, because even though we didn't consider ourselves who were the homie with Igbo or any other, but we're all one. And the problem that we have to this very day is recognizing that these other cultural groups are, is one thing, but we are African people because the Caucasian didn't look at it like that. Only thing he knew, just like just like when and this is a piece that <laughs> when he went to Hawaii and saw dark skinned, woolly haired people and the Caucasian robots look like niggers to me. Look like niggers to me. Don't this is Brother Home Team. And uh this brother does good research, good young man. Little one, but let's deal with it. World, it's your boy Home Team here. I'm back at it with another video of African history, culture, and worldview. And today we're going to talk about the Atlantic slave trade and the fallacy of blacks selling blacks. So I actually did this video a while back and I actually deleted it so that I can create a new one that was a little more in depth. And a lot of people have actually been asking me to, you know, remake this video pretty much. And so here it is. So initially I thought I would never do a video on this because, you know, I already thought that, you know, people knew so much about the Atlantic slave trade. Boy, was I wrong. The historical perspective on this topic has literally been murdered and adulterated nearly in totality. Like nobody has any idea what went down. And other people tend to take bits and pieces of information just to make a point and take it completely out of context. So of course, when people talk about this topic, they tend to say, well, you know, black people sold other black people, right? And so they leave feeling vindicated as if this statement is some sort of trump card. Okay, so the problem with this statement is that it's disingenuous to begin with. Here's why. You can't take a 20th century mindset and apply it to 16th and 17th century people. It simply doesn't work like that. There was no black power or pan-Africanism back then. Like, black people didn't become black until they came to the new world. They shared a similar culture, they shared a similar experience, and they began to speak the same language. That's when they became black people. For example, in Western Africa alone, there are thousands of different ethnic groups who speak a different language, have different cultures, and have completely different worldviews and religions. So why in the world would they view each other as the same when they don't even speak the same language? You know, I find it interesting that people are willing to accept the differences between Europeans and Asians 
But when it comes to Africans, they all of a sudden want to paint one broad stroke and completely ignore the diversity. For example, when the Romans pretty much went into Northern Europe and were raping and pillaging the entire region, nobody ever then goes and looks at that history and says to themselves, wow, look at all these white people brutalizing other white people. The Romans even made slaves out of their Northern European counterparts, like the Germanic tribes, the people of Hispania, and the Celts themselves, a.k.a. other white people. Now, given that history, you'll never hear a soul say, wow, look at all these white people selling other white people into slavery. What a crime. Well, why don't you hear people say that? Well, because people understand and respect the historical differences and the historical perspectives and the diversity of that region and of those people. The Romans and the Greeks seem to have made it very clear that these pink-skinned northerners were not like us. Marcus Cicero, hailed by historians as one of Rome's greatest orators, had this to say about northern Europeans, specifically from Britain. It has been ascertained, too, that there is not a scrap of silver in this island, nor any booty, except from slaves. But I don't fancy you will find any literary or musical talents among them. Or let's take, for example, Strabo, one of the Western world's most adored Greek philosophers. He makes his opinion of Northern Europeans pretty clear. In reference to the natives of Northern Europe, he has this to say, and I quote, The home of men who are complete savages and lead a miserable existence because of the cold. And let's not forget the consistent barbarian narrative the Romans perpetuated about Northern Europeans. These mean-spirited quotes were a very common theme when it came to the opinion of Northern Europeans in general from their southern neighbors. And of course this was propaganda But the point is that these Romans and Greeks clearly saw themselves as not only superior, but inherently different from the pink-skinned savages of the North. Thus, it justified Romans enslaving Northern European ethnic groups, a.k.a. white people selling and buying other white people. This, of course, from our 20th century mindset. But for some reason, when it comes to Western Africa, we all of a sudden develop amnesia and forget proper historical perspectives in favor of advancing the whole black-on-black crime narrative, if you will. How convenient. Well, why is this black-on-black crime narrative so convenient? Well, because nobody ever says white-on-white crime or Asian-on-Asian crime. It's a disingenuous, deflective argument to begin with. And it's very important that we understand that. You see, the truth is, all violence matters. So what is the underlying premise of this whole black people selling other black people idea? Well, people who use this adulterated logic are really trying to say, your people did this to themselves. We brought about this bad slavery thing. The problem, once again, is this 21st century or this 20th century blanket logic framework. That's the problem. The thing is, there was no we. It was always Fulani versus Mandinka, Songhai versus Maasai, Mbundu versus Bakongo. All these people saw themselves as inherently different 
just as much as the Romans saw the Celts and the Germans as other. So now that we're scholars now and we truly understand that we can't take a 20th and 21st century logic and apply it to 16th and 17th century people, let's really try and understand what actually happened. So let's talk about the nature of slavery in West Africa itself. No matter your 21st century morality level, which was in all likelihood attained via historical hindsight, slavery is not just slavery. In other words, there were different kinds of slavery throughout the world. And slavery in West Africa was overwhelmingly in the context of what some may alternatively describe as domestic servitude, in which slaves would work primarily in the house of the master and retain some freedoms. Domestic slaves in many cases would even be considered part of their, of their master's family. In some cases, even slaves had slaves themselves. The slaves could own the profits from their labor, whether in land or in products, and could marry and pass the land on to their children in many cases. To understand the nature of slavery in Africa, let's look at one of the longest-lasting empires in West African history, the Mali Empire. So what was their decree on slavery? Well, the Mali Empire, like most empires around the world, participated in slavery. They even had a constitution called the Korokan Foga that regulated it. The Korokan Foga declares the following. Do not ill-treat the slaves. We are the master of the slave, but not the bag he carries. So basically, this is a federal mandate of the Mali Empire and further proof of the humane treatment of slaves in West Africa. Testament to this humane treatment within Mali is the fact that Manza Sakura was actually a slave before he became king of the Mali Empire. That's pretty significant. So at bare minimum, this ideology of slavery was enforced throughout the empire from at least the 13th century all the way to the 17th century. So the question then becomes, how did you become a slave in West Africa? Well, there are two things. It depends on the socio-political atmosphere of the given region and your social status. For example, most people became slaves through warfare. The overwhelming majority of slaves were war captives between rivaling ethnic groups. And when you add religion in the mix, it gets even more complex. Take, for instance, the most renowned scholar of Timbuktu the Songhai scholar, Ahmed Baba. He pretty much helped us define who could legitimately enslave other people and who could legitimately be enslaved themselves within the Songhai Empire. The opinion of Ahmed Baba went on to shape the attitudes of Muslim West Africans on the legitimacy of enslavement and the permissibility of trading in slaves. He literally goes on to list a few ethnic groups he deemed as enslavable. Whoever now comes to you from the group called Maasai or Gurma or Busa or, or Borgu or Dagamba or Kotokoli or Yoruba or Tonbogu or Bobo or Karmu, all of these are unbelievers remaining in their unbelief until now. And thus, their enslavement was legitimate. 
Now notice Ahmed Baba being the intelligent Songhai man that he was. Notice he didn't say some Songhai people can be enslaved. It's important, based on our discussion, that we realize how he completely left out his own ethnic group, which of course was the Songhai. As wicked as this may sound, it was clear that there were rules when it came to slavery and who can be enslaved. Let's go to another region to find out what slavery meant from their perspective. Let's look southward toward the Congo Empire. King Mvemba of the Congo became increasingly frustrated with the Portuguese because they were illegally acquiring slaves. Mvemba literally wrote a letter to the Portuguese king saying, Each day the traitors are kidnapping our people, children of this country, sons of our nobles and vassals, even people of our own family. This corruption and depravity are so widespread that our land is entirely depopulated. We need in this kingdom only priests and school teachers and no merchandise unless it is wine and flour for mass. It is our wish that this kingdom not be a place for the trade or transport of slaves. Many of our subjects eagerly lust after Portuguese merchandise that your subjects have brought into our domains. After having taken these prisoners to the coast secretly or at night, as soon as the captives are in the hands of white men, they are branded with a red-hot iron. Now, the Congo Empire participated in slavery way before their interaction with the Portuguese, and at Portuguese requests for slaves, they would give them their war captives from different ethnic groups. King Mvemba had a problem because the Portuguese were illegally seizing Congo citizens. In other words, his own people. Thus, Mvemba obviously was not going to be complacent in that and shut it down. Ultimately, Alfonso, or King Mvemba, decided to establish a special committee to determine the legality of the enslavement of those who were being sold. Why? Because his own people were being caught up in it. This is pretty much how you became a slave in West and Central Africa. You were either a war captive from a rivaling ethnic group, you were a repeated offender, you committed a heinous criminal act, you were in debt, or simply both your parents died. The type of slavery that we are accustomed to here in the Americas is chattel slavery, which is the very worst type of slavery involving the dehumanization of people. So now the question becomes, why was slave trading so rampant in West and Central Africa? How did this all start? Well, Upper West Africa was a little more stable because they had huge empires started by the Soneka, Mandinka, and the Songhai. These were the empires of Wagadu, Mali, and Songhai. But after these empires fell, the region was totally destabilized, and ethnic groups were free to form their own hybrid kingdoms. These newly formed hybrid kingdoms thrived solely in the context of survival, leading to war and dysfunction throughout the region. Due to the domestic instability throughout the region, 
The arrival of foreign goods, services, and political prowess disembodied the many kingdoms present. Thus, a new culture developed, allowing for sustainability through slave trading. Slave trading boosted the economies of these kingdoms, while simultaneously devastating the future development and growth of the region. So, to further drive home this point, let's take a look at actual documented cases of enslaved Africans and how they actually came to be enslaved. And let's see if they were actually sold by their own people. Now again, I don't mean their own people from a 20th century broad paintbrush sense. I mean their own people from a proper historical perspective sense. Let's look at Ayuba Diallo, who was a Fulani man from Senegal. Ayuba came from a very prominent family in Senegal. Ironically, he and a friend were near the Gambia River to sell one of his Mande slaves and got captured by the Mandinka. The Mandinka shaved his head to make him look like a war captive, hence making it legal, and he was sold in Maryland. Ayuba eventually acquired his freedom because of his intelligence and his wit. Notice, he wasn't kidnapped by the Fulani and sold into slavery by his own people. Why didn't the Fulani capture and sell other Fulani? Well, because that would have been stupid. Now let's take another African into consideration, Sarah Forbes Bonetta. Sarah was a real live African princess of the Yoruba people who was orphaned due to intertribal warfare and sold into slavery. In 1848, the Yoruba were attacked by the Fawn people from the kingdom of Daomi. Sarah lost her parents and became a slave to King Gezo of Daomi. In a remarkable twist of events, she was liberated from enslavement and became a goddaughter to Queen Victoria as she took an interest in her due to her exceptional intelligence. So with these two cases, what have we learned? Well, the majority of enslaved people came through warfare, specifically war captives, and they were enslaved due to rivaling ethnic groups vying for power. If we are to be genuine scholars we will realize that these people were not sold into slavery or enslaved by their own people, but by people who obviously viewed them as other. So why do people persist on simplifying this complex social structure of West Africa? Well, because it's always been easy to disparage and disrespect the culture, the worldview, and the humanity of African people. Well, I'm all out, guys. If you guys want access to full-blown African history lessons, you can visit the link down below. It's called Patreon.com. You can support the home team and learn more about African history from a proper historical perspective. So far, I've done a lesson on the Wagadu Empire, the Mali Empire, and the Songa Empire. So support the home team and uh, know thyself. Remember your ancestors. Peace. I say. I like that, brother. I really do. We're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, we'll have more discussion and open the phone lines up, so just stay with us. You're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawigny.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com. We'll be right back. You stay with us. 
and for more discussion. Peace. You are listening to African Perspectives with host Brother Oshie on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com.
have a moment of silence. Swing. Reinstated, re-educated, evaluated. Thoughts of the past have faded. The only thing left is the memories of our belated. And I hate it when someone dies to get all hurt up for a silly gold chain. Pop, chump, word up. It doesn't make you a big man. And to one ain't going, this your brother man. And you don't know that's part of the plan. Why? Because rap music is in full demand. Understand? There'll be no bum rushing. Let's get together because we're falling apart. I heard a brother shot another. It broke my heart. I don't understand the difficulty, people. Love your brother. Treat him as an equal. They call us animal. Mm -mm, I don't agree with them. I'll prove them wrong. The right is what you're proving them. Take heed before I leave to what I'm saying. Or we'll all be on our knees praying. The heavy deep, deep in the heart of the matter. The self-destruction is served on a platter. Making a day, not failing to anticipate. They got greedy, so they fell for the bait. That makes them a victim. Pick them, pluck new jack in jail, but did the vets never duck? There's no one to rock, cause in jail you're a number. They never took the time to wonder about Yes, we urge to merge. We live for the love of our people, the hope they get along. Getting a point to our brothers and sisters who don't know the time. So we run around. in your head, you know our job to build and collect ourselves with intellect. To evolve, to evolve the self-respect. Cause we got to keep ourselves in check or else it's... You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. Welcome back, brothers and sisters. Once again, you're listening to African Perspectives here on the Motherland Media Network on timeforanawakening.com and blacktalkradionetwork.com of the program we have here. Once again, this program is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then on Tuesdays, Tuesday evening from 8 to 10 p.m., Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers. On Thursdays, tomorrow night from 7 to 8, Black Liberation Movement of Mississippi on the move. Black Liberation Movement, Mississippi on the move with Brother Host Patrick Lumumba. And then Friday, of course, time for an awakening with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. Friday and then Saturday from 7 to 9, the Sankofa, the <clears throat> the Sankofa Elders Council the Sankofa Elders Council from 7 to 9 on Saturday and then on Sunday once again at 7pm it's time for an awakening with Brother Elliot and Brother Richard we're talking today about uh, something that was brought to my attention when I was on Facebook and looking at the, um, the sister sister Davis playing the part of a warrior queen and the Dahomey people. And there's a picture that was taken of the sisters uh, by the French while they were visiting Paris. 
around, uh, would that be 1890, when the sisters, you know, they got their sticks and so forth, the warriors. And of course, made very popular by Black Panther movie. And Scotty Reed made a comment about shouldn't be, don't even see the movie boycott. I mean, for what the Dahomey did in terms of selling our people into captivity. Of course, we already believe that. We have established the fact that, uh, unfortunately, we didn't have a collective mindset in terms of we are, as African people, we are collective people. But I guess within your own group, your own tribe, which I hate that word, I like to say cultural group, and those are outside of you are not familiar because you speak a different language. You know, that's interesting about the Bible. You know, when um, they built that tower and Nimrod, you know, who shot the arrow up there and then, you know, all those people that were there, then God confounds their tongue and everybody speaks a different language. You know, wouldn't it be great for communications and how to operate and know what's happening us speaking one language? at that time and now we have all these different other languages nobody can understand each other or have suspicions of one another man once again the bible (laughs) yeah once again the bible so um, got this piece from off the internet uh, the history of the kingdom of Dahomey spans 300 years from around 1600 until the 1904 1904 with the rise of the kingdom of Dahomey as a major power on the Atlantic coast of modern day Benin until French conquest until the French took it over Benin situated in West Africa the kingdom of Dahomey was formed by a mixture of various local ethnic groups or cultural groups on the plane, on the only plane, the, the 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 groups possibly forced to move due to the captive trade. <laughs> yeah, coalesced around a highly centralized, strictly military culture, which was aimed at securing and eventually expanding the borders of the small kingdom. The kingdom became a major regional power in the 1700s, 1720s, when it conquered the coastline, the coastal kingdoms of. Alida and Nwaida. With control over these key coastal cities, Dahomey became a major center, became a major center in the captive trade until 1852 when the British imposed a naval blockade to stop the trade. War with France began in 1892 and the French took over the kingdom of Dahomey in 1894. The throne was vacated by the French in 1900, but the royal families and key administrative positions of the administration continue to have a large impact in the, polis, the politics of the French administration and the post-independent Republic of Dahomey, renamed Benin in 1975. Historiography of the kingdom has had a significant impact on the work for a far beyond African history and the history of the kingdoms formed the backdrop of a number of novels and plays. And of course, we talk about those sisters in that movie. But we really want to talk about the captivity of what the um, the Dahomey did, and, and and it's a lot of it's right here. I'm not going to go through it, but what I want to go through, of course, is 
what Baba Renoko had to say about it. And just as Brother Home Team said, you know, and then I'll get your opinion. This is this is a while ago, uh, 2014, when Baba Renoko put this out uh, in Line of Black Star, African Involvement in Captivity. Of course, it says slavery, but I don't use the word slave because we were not slaves. We were captives. African Involvement in Captivity. I want to tell you a story and give you a thesis. It is only a perspective and is clearly a work in progress. I want to raise the questions of why so many American Africans and other Africans in diaspora repeat, largely without investigation, that Africans sold other Africans into slavery, into captivity. Many of them do it with relish. Such an assertion is very harmful. It bothers me when I think that is largely rooted in self-hatred and ignorance. Well, here's my thesis and my story. A few years ago, I took an American-African tour uh, to West Africa. I took a group to West Africa, to Benin. While there, we went to the community called Gavin. I believe that the people there are the Fon, the Fon people. Gavin is a community built on stilts on the water. The people who built Gavin were running away from captors and thought that living on the water would provide safety for them. The head of the community asked, why would we choose to visit? It was a formal question, and I'm sure they asked all the other groups that same question. Why would we come to visit? It was a formal question. I'm sure they asked all the other groups. Well, I started to give you my little speech about American Africans returning to our ancestral birthplace and how we got to America via our captivity. The leader stopped me as I was speaking. He said, you are an American for the same reason that we are Gavin. We came here to get away from the captors. In this case, the captors were from the kingdom of Dahomey. They captured other people that day we call Africans. Since then, I have done a lot of research on the subject and traveled to many parts of Africa in search of answers. Yes, some of the people that we call Africans today were involved in the capture of our people that we call Africans today. We can say that, that such Africans were corrupted and empowered by Europeans to do their dirty work for them, and that certain groups and classes of Europeans obviously were the ones who derived the great benefits from it. But is it really that simple? Probably not, of course. The idea that we are all Africans is very new. Let me repeat, the idea that we are all Africans is very new. This is why, this is why continental and global African nationalism is so hard. Yes, it is. Because it is so new. And in effect, it was a reaction and a result of the European invasion of Africa and the forced removal of captivity of African people. The captivity of African people by the millions. Family, I am not able to sh show that the continent, you know, excuse me, that the continent 
African unity is rooted in antiquity because it is not. The continent is not rooted in antiquity. So at least the, the, the rooted, the unity, the African unity is not. So the kingdom of Dahomey would not have seen themselves capturing their other Africans for European captivity. He would have only seen themselves attacking a neighboring kingdom. He would not have seen himself attacking and capturing other Africans for European captivity in the same way historically that the Germans, for example, in their countless wars with the French would have seen themselves attacking their neighbors. They saw themselves as national groups, not as people violating solidarity, cultural solidarity. Because even though there's some from the African culture, there were many things that were different. This is what I think, of course. There's a lot to more to this, but this is the essence of it. Does it make sense? As a historian, I have learned that the worst thing that we can do if we want to understand history is to look at the past with the same mentality that you have today. To understand the past, you must put yourself within the historical context of the people who lived it. So, no. So, no. Africans did not capture and sell or trade other Africans for European exploitation. This is not that simple. It would be more accurate to say that certain kingdoms in in that what we now call Africa attacked other people in what we now call Africa and that the certain groups and classes of Europeans benefit enormously from it. And that's my thesis in love of Africa. Baba Renoko Rashidi, an ancestor, my friend, my brother. There's a few other pieces in here that I want to talk about. Uh-oh. Come on back here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is, um, this brother here says, this is not correct to cite where one kingdom of the homie in Africa attacks and capture members of another kingdom or African cultural group and sells them to Europeans and then turns around and says Africans did not sell other Africans to Europeans to be captives because Africans did. No, look upon each other as other Africans back then, but in nationalistic terms. This is nothing but wordplay. And African countries today have acknowledged their roles in helping to enslave Africans of those who find themselves in America, the Caribbean and South America. These countries have apologized and offered reparations in the form of land and citizenship to the descendants of the captives. You know? Uh, Have never done, but instead paid the captives class. See, (laughs) it's a good point here. These countries have apologized and offered reparations in the form of land and citizenship to the descendants. This is something that the Europeans have never done, but instead the Europeans paid the enslavers, the captors, because the captives got away for loss of their captives. The French did the same thing. You know? So this is why, in my opinion, we can not have an honest discussion on racism and slavery that will lead to any kind of solution or reconciliation. Non-Caucasian people in 
including those who classify themselves as African, cannot seem to come to grips with the fact that they have aided and still aiding those who are most responsible Caucasians for the oppression of other non-African people. In my opinion, the Caucasian people must be responsible for today's neocolonialism and modern day captivity would not be as successful in oppressing and and enslaving non-Caucasian people, particularly those who are melanated more than others. If their so-called brethren were not lending assistance and collaborating with the enemy to keep the current system of oppression and racism in place. There's a lot of aiding and abetting. I'm not going to argue against that. When one acknowledges their mistakes, they are better able to correct those mistakes, which would mean to change in behavior. But no one seeks only to blame other people for all their problems and, and not their own not to own up to their role in perpetuating these problems. One will not change until their behavior and the problems will remain because there is no corrective behavior. (sighs) Give us a call at 215-490-9832-215-490-9832 for those who are in the queue and there's many of you. Hit star twice, hit star twice and you can get in. 215-215, good afternoon. (sighs) Baba Uchi. Good afternoon. I'm doing well. How you doing, dear brother? Brother, peace and blessings unto you, Uhuru, and free Mumia, first of all. I've been forgetting to say that for uh, forever. <laughs> Uhuru, yes, so, sir. Uh, upon your uh, conversation, I've had quite a few discussions with people, and a lot of people, I realize, only read to a certain point from which they're satisfied. And uh, indentured servitude was in existence. And in the African tribes, if you were a slave, you would work off your time. Sure. Also, you would be able to marry into the family. Right. This is true. So they don't never talk about that aspect. And secondly, upon reparation, it is reprehensible that everyone is getting it. And even Obama was against it. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many Negroes who are against reparations. And they just feel like whatever was done to us, the millions of people, all the, I mean, this is a damn shame to not go for reparations of the dishonor and disservice to our ancestors who suffered tremendously. Like you don't give a damn and you somehow are happy that these crackers have put you in the position you are or you're a part of their, uh, man, excuse me. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry, brother T. Yeah, no, no, I, I you know, understand, brother. I understand the frustration. It's frustrating. You know, it is. It, it, it's, it's hard for me to even hold conversations with human beings now. I feel, like I said, totally alone because most people know more about Gucci and PlayStation 4s than they do about their own history. Yeah. You know, you, you, the only way to get these, like I said, these these crazy left behind people is to put Air Jordan signs on top of a building and say you'll get free Air Jordans and come in and teach them history or something. Yeah. There's no other way to yeah. get to people. And if you try to tell them the research, I tell people you have a computer in your hand. Yeah. There's no reason why you don't know some of these things. And then when they come and ask me and then I tell them they don't like my answers. Mm-hmm. So I said in order for you to debate me, you have to have something to debate. You can't just tell me I'm wrong and I don't know what I'm talking about. So for their for for their history of of uh, just controlling the narrative out of Africa and, and thank God for Renuko Rashidi and the Pharaoh of Knowledge and all of those other people mm-hmm. who actually 
have uh, pertinent information that could that that could clear this up. We don't have people that want to hear it. And instead, what they want to do is believe that these people care about us and will do something for us and will give us welfare. As yeah. long as we get something from these people, you will stay a slave. You are now suffering Stockholm Syndrome. Mm-hmm. You identify with your captor. You sure do. And they will argue me down. And brother, I've said this to somebody recently. I said it's amazing that I can walk down, mm-hmm. I can walk down the street, and I better not eyeball a brother the wrong way, or even if I say uh, "Salam alaikum" or what have you, mm-hmm. I might get killed. But then the white person walks down the block right behind me, about to take your house, kick you out, and screw your sister, mm-hmm. and you don't see them. You look past them and see me. Oh, that's that nigga right, right. there, and kill that nigga because you trained. That's, that's, you were trained, just as that, just as Chancellor Williams did. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen Chancellor Williams when he was on Tony Brown's journal talking about the destruction of black civilization. And he was basically saying, "We've been so trained. You, I want. I see that nigga that look like me. I want to. Damn, what the white man has done to us. The European has done to us because he continues to do it. But we've been trained to hate that it was that is within us. And so we see him. We want to kill him. You know, because still today, yeah. still to this very moment, what is uh, what affects us most deeply? the so-called black-on-black crime, you know. But we do. We kill each other like it's, you know, like it's going out of style. And and that's true. And as I have argued with other ethnicities, I've said the same thing. You're just not hearing the reports of white people killing each other because black people have -hmm. said to other people who argued this down with me, I say it's mathematically impossible for 13%, which is not 13% of uh, African Americans, cannot kill more people than 75%. It's not no. even feasible. Right. So I, when I hit start talking to people and they start talking stupid, I just shut it off. Peace and blessings. And yeah. I hope you do some research. And then with any subject, before I talk about it, I have to know a little bit something about it. Sure. Or I'll just listen. Sure. I had to read some. I mean, that's why I... That's why I have to do this. That's why I listen to the news and so forth. I'm trying to do a radio program. I'm trying to inform my people. If I don't know what the hell is going on, how can I inform you? And hopefully, too, you can inform me. I'm, it is a two-way street on this radio program because you have come on, uh, on this program, my brother, Brother T, and enlightened this community, enlightened me tremendously many times, and I thank you for that. You know? And I thank you. And also for this show, I mean, how, how important it is. I just feel distraught because the people who look like me, I just said this to another one of my friends. I can tell you something that I know, that I feel that I researched. You won't believe me, but you'll believe someone <laughs> of a different yeah. ethnicity. They tell you that they have your back. And then you're still in the situation you were in when you first started voting democratically. Mm. Nothing has ever changed. I asked a friend of mine in your lifetime. Have anything ever changed when you voted for a Democrat? Have a pay rate anything? Have you obtained anything? And they haven't. Peace and blessings, brother. All right, brother. Thank you, brother ABT. Say, but brother T. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. Have a blessed day. You can hit Star Twice, family. You can be in on the conversation, or you can dial dial two one five four nine zero nine eight three two two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. Three four seven three four seven. Good afternoon. Yeah, what's happening, OC? What's going on, brother? How you doing, Jay? Ah, just hanging in there. Listen on that um on that movie with Viola Davis. Uh-huh. Davis. I mean, I haven't really paid too much attention to it, but um, 
there will definitely be a white savior in the movie. I mean, <laughs> they, you, you know that. That's just uh, that's, that just that's, go. That's yeah, that's that's a Hollywood be. standard, ain't it? If you're making yeah, a movie in Hollywood, I mean, that's so, a Hollywood standard. You got to have the Caucasian savior somewhere in that movie. You know, he's either yeah. an advisor, uh, he does something to say that whatever. Yeah, to, to keep the Negro, to keep the Negro in line, man, and make them not kill all of them. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, it's all propaganda, man. It's all about who provides the narrative for the story that determines how it goes. Yeah. And unfortunately, we as a people have never been in a position to really define the narrative. So whereby, you know, like the brother earlier was saying, we don't understand our history in its total context. Yeah. You, you know, know what I mean? Like the beginning yeah. of our enslavement, like he said, it was indentured servitude with the, with the opportunity that they would be able to, after a period of time, free themselves. Right. And then, you know, once the white man realized that he has a certain stranglehold over you, then he becomes his barbaric self. And that's, you know, basically what happened. I mean, I don't, I don't think, you know, Africans intentionally um, place their people in the situation to enslave them. I think it was it was a trade commodity, in a in a, in a sense, you know. But you know, the reality is, we've been there for six hundred years, and we're still in the same effed up position. You still got the Negroes with the mentality that slaved us, that 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 sold us into slavery. Now the gatekeepers of the direction in which we go. If someone says to you, "Well, could you identify a Negro back in that time that would place us into slavery?" I could say, "Yeah, a Roland Martin, someone like that." All of these Negro gatekeepers, the yeah, Joy Larry, the, right, the, 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 the Boule, and all of that. The that's the type of yeah, the that's boule, the type yeah. of Negro that place you in slavery. Yeah. But you don't see him for what he is. You look at him as some sort of symbolic hero. Get the F out of here. They trying to do one thing, get a better place in whiteness. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to liberate African people. No, no, they're just trying to find a comfortable I mean, corner. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we don't understand that. Unfortunately, nobody at this time is able to succinctly break that down mm -hmm. to how the Negroes are more dangerous to the race than anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I just imagine now, just think about this. If you had someone of the caliber of Amos Wilson and Bobby Wright out in these streets. Jay, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, go ahead. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, imagine if you had somebody of the character of Amos Wilson and Bobby Wright. Mm -hmm. Well, Where know, would we be at if yeah. they were able to articulate yeah. to the masses what, you know, our, our predicament well, was? Well, see, just... You know, because I used to have a lot of issues with um, Huey P. Newton until I really got into Huey, man. 
knew he was a brilliant guy, man. Uh-huh. He yes, he was. A very intelligent brother. He just, unfortunately, drugs, he had demons. Yeah. yeah, drugs got him. He had demons. So, But, I mean, there are many men and women in our struggle who are brilliant people, and unfortunately, the masses didn't gravitate to him, and nor was there, you know, a a, 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 a unifying factor. That was the problem, as I've seen it, uh, and I'm going to do, if I get this documentary on the on the East, and you know about the East, right? And the brother and sisters oh, in the East, he, New York. Yeah. And, 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 okay. yeah. And, and the problem, not just with the East, but the problem with us and our struggle at that time, it wasn't cultural. It didn't want to take us to Africa. It didn't want us to help bind us to Africa. It didn't want to help us uh, unify with other Africans and on the continent, in the diaspora, and so forth. We weren't talking about that. We were still talking about, well, I want to be black, and if white folks got what they got, I want to have mine. We didn't want to be white, but we wanted to have what white folks had. See? Well, you so we still wanted to be basically Europeans. See, we didn't, we, we didn't want our own. We didn't want independence. We didn't want self-determination. We didn't want liberation. We didn't want sovereignty. We wanted assimilation. We wanted what they had. You know? And and and, and we uh, 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 hailed those who had just like the cracker, just like the white man. This is a nice business, just like the white man. He's in Congress, just like the white man. He's in the Senate. You know, I mean, how many senators of us has it been in the last since Edward Brooks? Remember Edward Brooks? Yeah, yeah, I heard of him. Yeah, Edward Brooks. He was he was a Republican. He was a Republican. There only been about five. <laughs> only been about five. You know, but I mean, still, it is them. It is theirs not ours. And, and unfortunately, we keep going after theirs. We're still talking about first. We're still comparing and, and, and celebrating a brother or a sister that has done something that, Croc- that Caucasians do on a constant basis or done something yeah. extraordinary in the Caucasians world. I'm tired of it, man. Jay, I'm tired of it. You know? I mean, but the, but, but, but the re- unfortunately, the reality is we're in a situation to where we don't control nothing. We don't, like I said, we don't set the narrative to be able to, to, to dictate the terms of the discussion. So if you can't dictate the terms of a discussion, then you just in a, in, in, in a position to where you gotta accept what the cracker giving you, unless you know better. See, I mean, so you don't accept it, but it's just like somebody saying to you, well, I'm not an African. Anytime somebody say that to me, I usually walk away from them because there's, there's, no, there's no discussion we could have. And that's the problem. The question, Jay, is this, to be African or not to be. That is the ultimate question of our time. And if we're going to be African, we're going to save ourselves. We're going to save our land. We're going to save our humanity. We're going to put ourselves back in a position of authority to be African. If we don't want to be African, then whatever way the wind blows, that's the way we'll go. And we're at the detriment of everybody else. Everybody else will be tromping over us. Everybody else will use us and abuse us. 
And here we sit on the resources that all of the world wants, can't think they can't do it out, and they sure hell don't want to pay for it, Dr. John Henry Clark. And yet, we don't want to come together to utilize that. We don't really have to ask nobody for a damn thing. We have all that we have, but the only thing we don't have, Jay, is our right minds. We don't have the collective mindset. We don't have the, uh, the mind that says, I don't give a damn about Caucasians, Indians, Arabs, Chinese, Japanese, whoever ever else. Only thing I care about is Africans, and, there, and I care about Africans in the Caribbean. I care about Africans in Central and South America. I care about Africans on the continent and wherever else we may be. And I want us to, as, as Africans to drop all this ignorance and foolishness and stupidity and come together on us being African. Damn, so what you Lafani and you uh, 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 this and that don't make no damn difference. That's the problem that happened in Africa because the Dahomey did not see them as Africans because they ain't, we ain't talking about Africans. We're just talking about Dahomey. So I can enslave you. I can sell you to the European. I don't know what you're going to experience when you uh, uh, leave off the coast of West Africa and sail across the ocean or sail up north to Europe. I don't know what you're going to experience. And I don't care. Somebody said, well, if they knew what we had encountered, yeah, Maybe. But that's not the point. The point is, that's no, no, no. It's like it's like they don't have the the type of reasoning skills to even deal on that level. Because when you expose someone to the treatment of African people by this beast, and they still want to frolic with them and mess around with them, then I think you're mentally ill. Because I can't understand how any woman could ever share herself with a Caucasian. I just don't understand it. It it it's not it's not something that I I comprehend based on the brutalization. See, Jay, in the manner in which they treated Jay, women. What they were saying too is that they didn't understand that. African people were being treated so inhumanely. They thought it was like captivity with African people. Because African people, just like I said, it was more like indentured servitude. You could work it off. You could even marry into the family because you were still human. Though though you weren't Fulani, though you weren't Dahomey, though you weren't another so-called, so-called tribal group, you still were human and respected. Yeah, but, but, but hold on, Jay. Hold on, hold on, Jay. Because in Europeans... You were not human. You were chattel. You were a piece of property, a piece of meat. There was no respect for your humanity, no no respect for who you are as a human being. And I could do anything that I want to do to you. And that's what they did. That's what they have done. And unfortunately to us, as far as I'm concerned, to some of us, that's what they're still doing. So Yeah, but the but but the thing is you have people who don't comprehend the brutalization of our people, man. Right. They don't. They don't get it, man. Right. They just think that that's the past and this is the present, and they not doing that to us. But in essence, they still are. Yes, they just can't do it on the wide scale manner no. in which they previously right. have. Just that, but and, they and still over. shoot you. They still beat you. Sure. They still doing it. I mean, the only thing that's really saving our people at this time, I believe, 
is the is the phone camera. <laughs> yeah. I mean, without yeah. the phone camera, yeah. just imagine what would be going on. Yeah. I mean, just think about it. Yeah. No. Because no doubt. Hey, listen. People... No doubt. It all started with Rodney King with the camcorder. The Caucasian had that camcorder, and he televised what happened to Rodney King. Otherwise, that would have been. Wouldn't have been nothing. Wouldn't have been ever talked about. Just a, a, another cat who resisted arrest. Uh-huh. And, and, and you know, I got you, uh, Queen Mother. I got you, Nana Nabantu. Hold on, okay? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, okay. Just put me alone. Okay. Mama Nabantu, go ahead. Oh, no. I just, just got in. I'm sorry. I was late. I'm just oh. trying to check in. Oh, okay. Okay. Where okay. did you Where did you put that? Did you text me that information on the Collard Green Festival? I thought I did, but I'll do it again. You know, I'm sending it out to so many people, and I have missed you, so mm-hmm. I'll send it out next. I'll yeah. send it to your uh, text. Do uh, you, you text me? Okay, I'm, I'm trying to look no. for it. Yeah, I got it right here. I got it okay, right here. Great. I got it right here. Okay. Yep, and I'm going to announce that. A, yeah. One side, one side says three to eight. The other side says twelve to eight. It's right. Twelve, 12 to eight. So is it just on um, just on Sunday, the 25th of September? Yeah, 12 to 8, even though it says 3 to 8 on one side. It's, that was a uh, mistake. Okay. Okay. Right. So so it's 12, 12 to 8. It's 12 to 8. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. dear. All right. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. We only got a couple more minutes, so if anybody else wants to jump in, 334, uh, 334, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Brother Oshie. I'm, I'm at work, and I'm, but I'm listening in. Okay. Um, today. All right, dear brother. Um, Appreciate very you, Very interesting. Very yeah. interesting commentary. Yeah. Well, it, it started out, uh, 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 Brother Lust, brother, brother, brother Ted, it started out because of a response I've seen a couple of times, and one from, from uh, uh, Brother Scotty Reed of Black Talk Radio Network, because they were talking uh-huh. about the movie, and he said, you shouldn't even patronize this movie and so forth because of the, the homies' involvement in the captivity of our people you know uh-huh. and and i know that i'm you know i'm a little uh i didn't know to the extent of what the Dahomey had done but i know there are various other groups that uh uh you know did some capturing of our people and and sold uh-huh. them for uh you know guns um some other trinkets or whatever you know or the safeguard of them that they wouldn't take them you know so here's some you know because you know when 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 they warred against each other, they took prisoners. We were not as barbaric as Europeans, right. you know. Right. We were not more humane, and but yet, uh, if I capture and I got to feed you and so forth, so now I don't want to do that. So I'm captured y'all after the war, after we warred against each other, and now hear these folks saying, "Well, hey, I'll you know I'll give you this and that to take." Well, okay, here, you know, we didn't understand. You know, yeah. we don't understand what we're getting those of us, even though they we, we are a different tribal group, but they're still our people. We were giving in, giving in to them what we were giving them and what they were going to experience. We didn't understand. But, Brother Oshie, you said that, that uh, there was a movie that, uh, that Scotty Reed was talking about? Yeah, he's talking about the new movie that's coming out with... Um, Viola Davis as the Warrior Queen, the Warrior King. Uh, yeah, which, yeah. Uh, what movie is that? I, I, 
it's it's just I don't even think it's um I know I've seen it on um on Facebook a number of times. You know, but Okay. Well I'll look I'll look into it. Um, yeah. I mean this is the first time I've heard of it. But oh, is it? Okay, it. yeah. It 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 you know about the sisters, the the homie the women yes, who are warriors. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's a takeoff of that. So many people talk about it. it's 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 a historical movie and what Scotty okay. Lee was upset about was the fact that what uh, the Dahomey had done for a number of long time of, of capturing groups that were around them, capturing them, and then selling them into captivity. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, okay. And, well, let me just add on that real quick. Um, you know, uh, Dahomey, Benin, has its influence right here in Alabama with Africatown. So it's oh. just interesting connection. Oh, okay. Well, mm, that is. That is. That's right. Okay. That's right. Well, if you we'll talk, you can't. You know it, brother. All right, brother Lust. Peace oh, to you. All right. Thank peace, you. Peace. All right. Two one five. Two one five. Five five four. Good afternoon. Uh, brother Uchi, I had to call back. I wanna, right on, brother I wanna, T. I want to say something. And this, if only we could together crowdsource and get a gaming license, because you know what they did to Farrakhan when he was about to get some money. They told him they would throw him out the country and lock him up. They will do anything to stop us from getting a foot up. If yeah. we could all get together, get a game of license, because that Oprah Winfrey, Harvey Weinstein clone is not going to help us. No, neither is anyone else. If we could just get together and do that and then have something to stand on, trade on our own, build our wealth, and then do what the hell we need to do, brother, things so, would be different. So you're saying getting a, so getting a gaming license, much like the indigenous people here who have gaming licenses in various states, that's what you're talking that's, about? That's correct. We have, yep, we have been denied. If you look up the list of millionaires and billionaires, there are uh, four Africans on the billionaire list, mm-hmm. and there's one from, he's from Africa, but he's here, United States of America, mm. and we have not gotten a gaming license. Every time we have tried, we have been shut down. If mm. you get a chance, you look that up, and you'll see that is the only thing stopping us from getting a, a, a foot on the ground yeah. to help us start building. Yeah, that's deep. That's interesting. Let's talk. We'll talk about more about that and make that happen. Make that happen. It needs to be discussed. Yes, Peace, my brother. All right, brother Kwaku, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, brother? Man, how you doing, man? Doing well. Good, good, good. You're a good, interesting program. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I saw that from Scotty Reed, and and I wanted to talk about that. You know, I just tried a little research on the Dahomey and other Africans and Africans' involvement and find out, too, what Africans had to say, particularly I you know, found that article by uh, Renoko, and uh, you know Brother Teju. He says the oh, same yeah. thing. Brother Teju says the same thing about you know, no, we did not sell each other into slavery, but we did. You know, and that's not trying to be contradictory. You know, but we didn't. It wasn't like we you know, we knew that you were going into a chattel slavery system where you would be dogged out. See, so anyway, man, let me make this announcement, and uh, I'll talk to you in a minute. Okay, man. Be good. Okay, brother. I'm gonna just put you on mute, brothers and sisters. The the Collard Green Festival is, is going to happen, y'all. It, you know, you got the Collard Green Festival is going to happen, and it's going to be. Uh, right here, Sunday, the twenty fifth. 
Sunday the 25th. Okay. Collard Green King and Queen Cook Off, the, the 13th annual original Collard Green Festival. It's a cultural festival. And it's going to be in Lithonia at the Amphitheater. It's been there a couple times. And 12 um, 8. And uh, we'll have Mama Nabantu on the program to talk extensively about about it, what it entails. And, and you know, as I talk to her about it, I'm hoping that some of you who are listening, wherever you are, maybe you want to organize a collard green festival, you know, in your community. Maybe we all do it on one day, on, on, on a specific day in September, if that's what it is. We have collard green festivals around the country. Who knows? You know, another way for us to come together and to share information and to purchase goods from one another, you know? Yeah, and there's prizes, you know. The first pri- first place, first place is five hundred dollars. Second place two fifty, and third place a hundred dollars. and the ent- and, and and the entry fee is thirty five dollars. So, yeah, bring your dish, and you have to at least have a uh, hundred samples, you know, for three ounce sizes. By noon on the 25th, you know. For further information, you can call 1-800 number 1-800-253-3397. That's 1-800-253-3397. And although we're here in Atlanta, it's going to be here in Atlanta, uh, Lithonia, just east of here, off of I-20. Same thing where you go to uh, the Black Dot Cultural Center and Bookstore. Same di- direction that you go out to. Um, the new Black Wall Street Market, but it's before that, and it's going to be uh, 2515 Park Drive in Lithonia on the 25th at the Lithonia Park and, and um, Amphitheater. So more on it. I'll be announcing that on Friday and every other day until the time it happens and get Mama Nabantu uh, on, on, on the program to talk extensively about that. It's creates because after all, this is the 13th annual, so, you know, we can talk more about that. She's got some good pictures here. <laughs> I'm in the bond too, dressed in green like a big collard green. <laughs> All right. Brothers and sisters, I thank you for listening. Thank you for those who called. And uh, really appreciate it. And I can hope to continue to uh, be on this radio program to try to open the minds of our people Get us to think independently. Self, think us, get us to think independent and self-determining and liberated. Get us to think sovereignty. Develop the model of Pan-Africanism. Pan-Africanism or perish. Unify or die. And that is serious. It's just not a slogan. It's serious. So brothers, be safe out there. And sisters, brothers and sisters, be safe out there and have a blessed and wonderful day. Hope to see you on Friday. We end this program like we end all of our programs with the words of Stephen Biko. The most potent weapon in the hands of the oppressor is the minds of the oppressed. This program is dedicated and committed to helping to free the African mind. Not just the M-I-N-D, but the M-I-N-E because under the feet of African people lies all of the resources that everybody wants. Think they can't do without 
And damn it, they sure the hell don't want to pay for it. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed and wonderful day. Shimhotep means go in peace. Isante Sana means thank you. Bibi Vahodie means our victorious destiny. Brothers and sisters, we will be victorious. Peace, family.